0: Welcome to the Vast the Mind podcast. Today we welcome our 10th guest of the podcast. His name is James Austin. James is an English judoka. He was British senior champion in 2007 and regained the heavyweight title in 2015. He also competed at the 2012 London Olympic Games in the 100 kilograms weight class. James also won the British title in three different weight categories and secured a gold medal at the World Cup in Minsk
1: outside of sport james is the host of the original judo pod where he's currently following groups of athletes and coaches across the next olympic cycle up to the tokyo olympics james is also in the process of finishing his training to become an accredited sports psychologist so let's welcome james to the podcast so yeah, no, yeah. i don't even class this as work this is sort of just like a actually, best part of the week this is like <laughs> getting someone on and
0: chatting about about their experience so yeah
2: actually oh well i wouldn't say your hopes too high yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: and like we said earlier um judo's been like a, a sport we've both been involved with so yeah we're really interested to learn more about it um and we learn best by just speaking to the people that are in the sport so uh, yeah we're really excited to, to hear your story yeah ah,
2: no worries go for it we're we'll just yeah uh, fire away and i'll um
0: yeah we'll do so sort of
1: where we start with our guests is like we we like to start from the start so uh if you were to take me through like a chronological order of your life like where did you start growing up like how did you get into judo um and were there any inspirations to get you into judo
2: (laughs) um yeah so like i started judo when i was uh six or seven um my mom and dad I think I was a bit of a like a very gentle child um my younger brother likes to remind me that I used to cry (laughs) everything um and my mom and dad wanted something that would kind of help me become a little bit more robust um so they took me along to the local karate class um it's quite a it's quite an Austin trait to be Touch on the late side, so you, you might have noticed that recording today. <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit on the late side, and um, turned out we got there like two minutes before the class finished. And uh, so mr missed the karate class, and uh, that
1: was before... like an hour,
2: yeah, 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 it like an, hour. Yeah, missed an hour, it hour late,
1: 58 minutes late, <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, but then like the the next group of people walked into the room and they were wearing the same kind of white pajamas and my yeah, mom, yeah. mom and dad basically went oh this seems alright It's the same thing we'll uh, stick him on and that was that was my start in judo at uh, yeah Springfield judo club Springfield judo club yeah that sounds about right
1: I bet you was glad you was late then <laughs> who knows what would have happened if you took up karate. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, it could have. It could have been. It could have been terrible. But now it all. It all worked out. it Would have been a co- completely different, you know, direction. Mm-hmm. But um, my timekeeping is pretty much the only thing that's not changed since then. <laughs>
0: <That's> <laughs> and did, did, um, you, did you instantly fall in love with it, or did you have like? Did you like take time to to kind of like get used to it and fall in love with the sport, or was it instantly like a uh, something that attracted you? Would you say?
2: Nah, so. I I don't remember my early days, but, um, like as you get a bit older, like one of the things that does stand out to you is like, it's a sport where you're with your mates, you're allowed to play fight. Um, and you're play fighting with younger kids, older guys, men, women, and there's no real kind of like boundaries between that. Like, so you're, you're not just a little kid. You're, there on the mat, just like everybody else doing this sport that everybody else has invested in. Um, yeah. It's, no, so it's good. Like it was really like good equalizer and it's exciting and everybody's excited to be there having a go. That's kind of how it started. And then hopefully that's what I bring in my coaching. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I guess along the way I had uh, like a lot of opportunities. Um, I had some incredible coaches who, yeah, I was I was lucky enough to end up in their clubs. So the, my first coach was inc- amazing with kids. Like he could just kind of transmit his passion for the sport and he could engage you and all that kind of stuff. Um, then his club closed down and I ended up somewhere where the coach was a little bit less confident in his ability. But um, he like allowed me the freedom to go off and kind of experiment with what I was doing. He'd, he'd suggest things and I'd go and have a play with it. Yeah. Um, And then from there, uh, moved to Hardy Spicer, which is a local club in Birmingham. Um, And again, the the coach there is phenomenal, like became such a major influence in my life. And like I was there through pretty much all my teenage years, early 20s, like all those formative years. Um, And yeah, that man basically kind of created my judo, gave me direction. In my judo in my life as well That's uh, uh fits um judo people will, will know him um uh, yeah and then from there ultimately ends up moving to scotland for to the performance center and um yeah good good things uh kept continuing to happen so yeah all good
1: was it always strictly judo or was there any other sort of martial art you, you wanted to try out
2: uh, I was never like massively interested in other martial arts. Like okay. along the way I've, uh, I've done bits of BJJ. Yeah. Um, I had, yeah, a couple of, uh, pro MMA fights, uh, decided I did not like getting punched in the head. Um, <laughs> Slight my, my, difference. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My brother went the other way. So he went, oh, wow. uh, judo. And then he ended up his, his professional MMA fighter. Mm. Um, so he went that way. Mm. Um, and then, quite quite enjoyed boxing so done a bit of boxing every now and then um yeah. not consistently um but then ultimately had uh my f- first daughter five years ago so that knocked that on the head so now oh, yeah, just, just coach mm, um, yeah. That's yeah it's all good
0: is there any any transferable skills that you were able to pick up from these different martial arts that you tried like they dipped in and out of and applied it to like your kind of judo career or not really
2: <laughs> um so like the, the the biggest thing was like a kind of a mental so bjj is like a really similar sport to judo um yeah
1: that's why I was, that's why i asked because my friend he's like a um, british champion in bjj and oh um, amazing so that's why i sort of wanted to see whether because judo is quite popular in the uk especially growing up like Loads of my friends went to the classes and stuff, um, especially at like primary school and secondary school, um, which is surprising.
2: So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it, is, it is one of them sports. We said this morning, it is one of them sports yeah. where like a lot of kids have like dabbled in it. They, you know, yeah. in a lot of schools, it's, uh, y- you can go to your judo club. And then there's this kind of like younger sport, um, BJJ that's desperate to be judo, but it's not quite. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, I hope there's some Brazilian jiu-jitsu players. Uh, listening it stands for <laughs> it stands for basically just judo um okay and there, but yeah it's, it's it's like an offshoot but it's a those guys are amazing it's a little bit less impact but it's like a, a science on the ground so is a small aspects of judo so some of that is directly transferable but the biggest thing for me was um yeah from from my mma uh i found the experience like nerves was something i always struggled with kind of in judo um, but then going and doing the mma and getting inside the cage and having a handful of matches um it kind of gave me a bit a, a bit of perspective and helped me cope with the, the nerves and deal with the pressure a little bit more um yeah. so i think that was the biggest transferable thing um so, sort of push yeah. you out of your comfort zone yeah exactly it was yeah. very uncomfortable <laughs>
0: yeah and it's quite different isn't it like mma compared to judo because judo is quite a defensive uh, correct me if i'm wrong it's more of a defensive kind of, of martial arts or isn't it isn't it really that's what <laughs> i was taught <laughs> I, it's,
2: uh, so I, I i don't i don't think of it as a martial art i think um similarly i, I wouldn't s- necessarily say mma is a martial art i think they've both reached a stage where they are like sports yeah, so judo is yeah. a sport mma is a professional sports so mma is a little bit more about entertainment now there's yeah. you know that has a big impact on what fights get made and all that kind of stuff yeah. um judo is an amateur sport as opposed to a martial art oh, okay. um, which you know tends to bring with it um different i guess a different attitude to some degree for me anyway no i'm sure there'll be people who argue no it's definitely a martial art but i yeah i yeah i would say i saw myself as a as an athlete uh, yeah, rather sure. than a rather than a martial artist mm-hmm. um yeah i'm not sure if anyone else saw me that way <laughs> probably go nah, stop talking nonsense, James. <laughs> um, yeah
0: it yeah. sounds like it's a very social sport like from what you were kind of describing like earlier on um and I really resonate with that because obviously when we were younger, I remember all we did with my sister. She also did judo with me and all we used to do is just like talk, 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 talk. And that's, in a sense, that's what I enjoyed the most, being around others. And like, and when you exchange partners, it's like that time, that resting time. It's like getting to know them, you know, and it's ve- it's a very, very social sport. That's how I experienced it. Anyway, I'm not sure if, uh, if you would agree uh- on that
2: no definitely um so I, I i coach at university now so university of mm. nottingham um and then what is amazing about that is that the the guys who come in are like so excited it's, 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 people start in university so excited to be kind of out on their own for the first time they're starting something new and mm. Then they've got all these opportunities you know whether it's judo whether it's rugby whether it's football whether it's um ultimate frisbee or dance or whatever it might be but like people are so excited and you what you tend to find is that uh people stick it because they find other people who kind of feel the same way about the sport about the opportunity so yeah i think i think judo is like a Super sociable thing. It's a great way to meet people, and I think yeah, it's, it's that's certainly something I got from it as well.
1: Definitely something that like good to promote. Like I think a lot of people listening wouldn't have really thought that. So and now like people going to uni, I think that's a because now I, I, I probably would have wouldn't have thought that. And if maybe I was to do uni again, because I wasn't actually involved in a social, I did, didn't really go into the football and wasn't really like. I tried to get in in first year wasn't successful there's was about 400 people at the tryouts yeah. so i yeah. don't know how i was supposed to do that it's
2: so clicker yeah. um but like football and like rugby and those sports are crazy like the, the level at university is so high and i think there's a lot of guys who kind of go into those sports from like school or district or regional level and they get to university having played to a decent level and then the level at university is such a massive step up. And yeah, yeah I could see how like, sometimes it's easy to go, ah, oh, uh, crap. Am I allowed to swear? Sorry. No, I- of I- <laughs> <laughs> I swear. Um, I could see how people could go, Oh yeah, I didn't make it. That was a thing I love. Right? I just leave it there. Um, yeah, that's what I did. Yeah.
1: Do you ever find people, um, come to like your like judo classes as sort of a beginner um like first time starting
2: yeah 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 that's like again you end up with like uh three groups on a on a judo mat you get the guys who've done it before who are super experienced yeah and it's kind of supporting them towards their like performance goals i guess from a university perspective um you get the guys who are yeah arrived at university they've gone what can i do all my days i've seen a judo demonstration it's just a group of videos throwing each other as hard as they can in a set of pajamas um so they turn up for the first time and yeah they find all these other people who went oh my days that look ridiculous and then you get the guys who stick it out for that first year and they're still there at the in the second year third year so they've got like yeah 18 months two years worth of knowledge so you end up with those three kind of groups of people loads of beginners a handful of really experienced guys and then kind of guys who've come along they've tasted it and they've gone yeah yeah, yeah this is for this is for me i love this um so yeah it's good i love that
0: we talked about the social side of of uh, kind of judo and another thing i kind of noticed also is there's a lot of respect in the sport It's that like a value you kind of obviously promote when you're in your coaching and in your classes is like like watching you compete it's like a isn't it i think it's a must you have to bow down to your opponent isn't it yeah, is it? yeah it's it's what about the sign of respect and yes tell us more about that
2: oh mate um <laughs> is that
0: trash like... Talk? <laughs> 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 like mma
2: yeah <laughs> It's the the trash talks whispered it's more uh it's it's quieter um now there's there's i think there's a a set of values that come with judo and i think um some of that is taken from i guess like japanese culture it's a japanese sport and then some of those things were the the values that the the guy who created the sport kind of wanted it to be here and now i am I am the wrong person to ask what those values are, but there is one about uh, kind of discipline and respect for others. You know, and I, I think those things are really important, and you do learn that as part of you um, lot. I am the wrong person to yeah. ask about that side of things. <laughs> quite, quite. I, um, Can we say um, that
1: James Austin's the uh, Conor McGregor of judo? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think so, I think so. Definitely
2: not, it couldn't be further from the truth. But, um, <laughs> I have less knowledge of that side of things. And All if right. if uh, there are judo people listening, I would just embarrass, I mean, I'm sure to embarrass myself anyway, but um, yeah, I'll embarrass myself if I start going, Oh, yeah, it's this, this, and this. And yes. <laughs> because nah. Yeah. Um, I know I know what they are for me. Yeah, um, exactly it, that social side, it is kind of respect. It's an opportunity to be with your friends and try something new and play, and you've got that kind of physicality that comes with it. Like you can learn what your body does, and it gives you just loads of confidence, like not just in what understanding what your body can do, but in like yourself, you find that Group of people's so like your self-esteem kind of improves because you're comfortable in that setup and you, yeah you're learning a skill it's great mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's all good but mm-hmm. then again i think a lot of sports probably offer similar experiences don't they
1: yeah, yeah. all right so let's talk about something that you're actually good at then <laughs> 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 so obviously you won a gold medal at the world cup in uh, minsk um, and then clinch medals at the World Cups in Liverpool and Montevideo. Um, like, what? Um, what was your favorite experience out of the three? Was it Was it the the gold? Um, and did you take anything away from the other two? Uh,
2: ah, no. So the 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 World Cups, the 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 ranking systems changed slightly, but the World yeah. Cups at the time were um, like basically world ranking events. Yeah. Um, and the one, it's the best memory would be the the Liverpool bronze medal, um, yeah. like it was my first one, but it was also the one um, where they set a selection criteria for London. So we we didn't have to qualify on the world's ranking list, um, but we had to meet like a minimum set of criteria and yeah. uh, getting that result was basically me, me meeting the criteria, um, which kind of put me in contention for for selection. So that is the one that I remember most fondly. And then um, the gold, the, the the Minsk Belarus result. And um, that was like an amazing trip. It, it came about a month after the Olympics. Um, you know, so I, it was, it was, it was a great result. Went away with a good group of people, but I think I was probably uh, less excited about it because the, the games had just finished and I was still a little bit like, oh, what am I going to do with my life?
0: <laughs> yeah that, that's that's really popular isn't it having that kind of post-olympic blues mm. um we actually had holly bradshaw uh pole voter on our podcast and she's actually doing research right now uh with the world that because she kind of experienced it several yeah. times i think so that's really interesting that you say that it's, it seems like a, a a type of trend for olympic athletes
2: i think i think there's a bit of research out there already okay. i think um Yeah, I think it is like a really common experience that you build up to this kind of pinnacle event. Like for a lot of sports, it's the the ultimate goal. And then um, once it's out of the way, you're either at the end of your career or at the start of a whole new four-year cycle. Um, So yeah, and again, I don't, when I was competing, there was not much kind of said about, right? Yeah. Once you come out the back of this, you're probably gonna feel a little bit like a yeah. um like a I don't know, spare spanner. Is that a saying? I don't think that's a saying. But... You can create <laughs> no, it. Can create yeah, it. there we go. Yeah. <laughs> um you know, like a little bit out of sorts, just for a, a you know, a short period of time because yeah, that kind of immediate goal is is kind of gone and you need mm-hmm. everything seems a little bit further away again. So you need to readjust your uh, like levels of commitment your motivation work out what you're doing that kind of thing
0: yeah
1: um, talking about that sort of pinnacle was like similar to how Tyson Fury described when he beat Klitschko and he'd come out and he's like achieved this goal and then he was like so so what's next like yeah there's, there's nothing he's achieved everything that he set out to do what how did you sort of cope with that was there anything any strategies that you sort of put in place? did you work with a psychologist um, how did you come out the other end and, and sort of cope with that
2: um, to be to be fair, like at the time we were, it was twenty twelve. So Glasgow Commonwealth Games was um, just a couple of years away. So that kind of, in a way, shortened the cycle. Yeah. Um, and I think I'd been, I was old, <laughs> I was like <laughs> twenty nine, thirty at that stage. Like All when, right. uh, so immediately started looking at Glasgow and going, right, the the run up to this will be, yeah like a good way to kind of see out my career um or you know could be a stepping stone to Rio um I think at the time as well I was still in Scotland so there's a really good vibe around Glasgow at the time and uh, um I got the opportunity to kind of like fight for selection for Scotland as well which was amazing and I'm sure you can all tell my really scottish accent. deep scottish boy yeah. <laughs> is, <laughs> is coming out Love it. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah like but but being asked to like consider f- uh competing for those guys like was a real kind of like a it was a proud moment like i'd lived up there for a long time to train and yeah it was it was it was, uh, it was a good feeling
0: mm-hmm. i'm talking of the olympics so Talk us through how you felt when you realised you were going to compete. Um,
2: Yeah. Tell us more. Um, (laughs) So, like, the whole whole experience was, like, uh, I think the whole running was a little bit, was a great experience. Like, that whole kind of, like, two-year kind of Olympic, qualification period, selection period was amazing. Cause for a, a long time, you're basically just traveling with your friends around the world, all trying to achieve the same kind of endpoint. Um, I think you you kind of reach a stage where um, a couple of my friends were really unlucky, but then the, you know, cause they missed out, but then, you know, there were other people I was really good friends with as well. They kind of achieved their goals. Um, I think I had a decent amount of luck, as in my main rival was an absolutely phenomenal athlete, um, a guy called Peter Cousins. He'd been a world medalist, like so. Um, he was really established on the scene, but um, from my perspective, I think he really struggled with injury after Beijing. Um, <coughs> so, by the time he actually kind of got back into the sport you know, I was kind of up and flying, um, mm. and I think, yeah, I, I reached the marker and got the selection, and yeah, like, that, I think I enjoyed the whole period, there were bits where you're tired, there are bits where you don't uh, appreciate it for what it is, um, like, you're going, you've just done, I don't know, three months of travelling from the last like four months you've been at home for a couple of weeks and you are it and you don't appreciate it for what it is but when when you actually get there like it was it was just incredible it was a great experience um yeah like judo's a sport where i don't know if you can hear the background my daughters are downstairs shouting <laughs> sorry you um, might get the <laughs> screams in a second <laughs> um but yeah like judo's a, yeah you get one man and his dog watching the event you know, and then okay. at the Olympics, the home Olympics. We had ten thousand people in the crowd, and um, again, yeah, I was nervous before going out to compete. But as soon as they announced your name and the whole crowd like made the noise, it was, oh, I chills. Absolutely gave you chills. Um, yeah, it was it was a phenomenal experience. And I think at the time, like I was probably down for a couple of days because um, I had a tough draw and I got beat. Um, the guy was better than me, um, so the next couple of days I probably didn't appreciate it for what the experience was. But I yeah. think I managed to by the end of, you know, the, the the remainder of the what the games was. It was yeah, it was a phenomenal experience.
1: So you talk about like obviously competing at normal events like in front of not that much, and then going to the Olympics and competing in front of ten thousand. How did you? Are you someone who doesn't really struggle with pressure? um, Or was it quite a big, like, you have to adapt in that moment, you know? I Ah. I, I feel like I struggle. Because I obviously like playing Sunday League, like football. I'll, like, go and play in front of no one. And then suddenly I'll play a cup final at, like, um, Leicester's training ground. And suddenly I'm absolutely the pressure. (laughs) I'm a striker. I'm panicking. I can't imagine what it would be like at the Olympics. Yeah.
2: I was, I, I think I was always, Uh, I was always the other way. I think I was always, I felt the pressure when I was competing against people that i would beaten before. Oh, wow. So if like, if I was up against someone who I felt was good, I was like, all right then, yeah, bring it on. This is a great opportunity for me to demonstrate my skills and my ability.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, You know, so the Olympics were similar to that. The guy I came up against was an incredible athlete, been world champion. Um. And it was an opportunity to try and just go out there and chase him and, and demonstrate what I could do, um, <laughs> which didn't work out. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I struggled more like, yeah, at the, I guess, yeah, British level events where you go, ah, oh, you should beat this guy. This guy should be in your bag. And that's yeah. where I put more pressure on myself at those ones. Um, and I don't think I ever dealt with it that badly Well, there's probably occasions where, yeah, I did deal with it really poorly. But, you know, I think on the whole, I think I was pretty okay with pressure. Mm.
0: And do you think competing at home, so obviously it was in London, do you think that added any external pressure or was it, this is even better, I'm
2: going to thrive now because I've got my home crowd behind me? Oh, mate, no, I loved it. I I loved the experience of Mm. having... um, Again, it's like it, 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 football. I don't know if you do you when you when you're playing football. Do you did your mates come down and yeah. and watch? Yeah? yeah, like sometimes they'd rock up and they'd go out for drinks after the match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> judo isn't like that. Judo, like if you if you go to an event, an event takes a day or two days or a week. So unless you are madly in love with the sport, you're not really going to go out of your way to go and watch it. Um, and similarly, now that it's like streamed all over like YouTube and everything, it's it's not something that you'd massively go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll go and I'll go and search that out and go and watch it because my friend's competing. Mm. Um, so it, it, I, I thought it was just a great opportunity. Yeah, for my friends, my family to all be there. And I, I love that bit of it. Um, mm. I don't know. Did you like when you guys were comp- playing? Yeah. Did you dislike having the eyes on you or was that? Uh, was that something that wasn't really a factor it,
1: it wasn't having the eyes on me it was sort of the pressure to perform maybe it's because like if, I, if my friends were there I'd, I'd get excited to sort of like maybe try and put on a show yeah. uh, but then maybe because of my position like being a striker like you've got to score the goals for your team and especially in such a important game in our our eyes, meant the world to her. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that that sort of pressure to perform, that's what I felt. Um, If I perform badly, then
2: yeah. Uh, Here's one one for you though, yeah. So the thing I felt was uh, every weekend, every competition, now sometimes there'd be competition back to back to back to back 12 weeks in a row. Every weekend was the most important weekend. Like there was a never of a chance to kind of step back and go, right, this is just a, this is a chance just to like go out and demonstrate my ability. Yeah, every weekend was the most important and that added pressure and that definitely affected me. Like Mm. never being able to kind of, for me, never being able to take my foot off the gas and go, right, I could go out and try this thing. Is that football, which is a seasonal game, but you do have like one or two games a week. Do you, did you find that yeah, every game became the most important one. And even if you won, that doesn't matter because now you're focusing on the next game and this is the most important game of the season. And if this all goes wrong, then it's a disaster. But then that game's out of the way and, and then yeah. this next game is the most important one.
1: No, because I, I don't know. Maybe because of the level I was playing at, um, I feel like I had a lack of playing in those lack of experience playing in those important games, which made it such a big deal when I was in that right. game. So I had a lack of experience, yeah, within those games, which made me struggle to cope with it when I was actually okay. in it. Um, so that was my sort of experience with, with that, for sure.
2: Okay, okay.
0: Mm-hmm. This is like a little consultancy uh, session. <laughs> 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 Only go on, we need your <laughs> need to fix your issues. No, 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 I
1: loved how like you switched it and sort um, of like, asked this. Your first guest to do that, so like, I rate that highly. Like,
2: you know, um, but... Nah, you 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 could mentioned at the start you were trying to make it a conversation and I was like, oh exactly. man, I've, I've just chatted for 10 minutes. I better ask him something.
0: Oh, no, yeah. Feel free to do so. This is what we love. It I makes love it that. so much easier. Um But yeah, another question we had for you actually is your experience with injury. Now, this is a topic we're really passionate about because we've both sustained quite serious injuries ourselves in football. Yes, football again. Um, but... Yeah, we've we've kind of had personal experience of going through the hardships of recovering from injury. Um, you know, like tell us more about that. Like, what was your kind of experience with that?
2: Oh, okay. First off, like, what what did you injure? My favorite game is injury top trumps. Like, what did oh. you
1: do? <laughs> what did you guys? What did okay, going go on. My, mine was a boring one. I I um I thought I tore my groin, but it turns out it was an overuse injury, and I treated it like a tear. Though, so I sort of like rested it for 6 weeks and then came back did it straight again like I didn't strengthen it back up and I, I just got injured again and it kept happening it can't. ended up being out for 8 months until I figured out what it was and yeah I went to a specialist and, and got it sorted and strengthened back up but eight Did months you have out.
2: To, Did you have did you have
1: to get a surgery? No, I just had to because I I'd, I'd rested it. I was in the position now to sort of Strengthen it back up. So uh, he gave me a load of exercises to do in the gym um, yeah. that I sort of just had to persevere with every time.
2: Wow. Uh, and,
1: and yeah, I, I don't really have problems with my groin anymore. It's oh, all my i my hamstrings now.
0: How <laughs> yeah. about right, you, John? Yeah, mine was like a contact injury. So I got tackled in football in the knee area and that kind of ripped my patella tendon. So that ripped kind of like a piece of my tibia as well. So I had yeah. to have surgery, obviously. Uh, screws put in, uh, and I kept them for like a year, and then after I got them taken out. So yeah, I, I'm I've got a lovely scar down the down my leg. <laughs> um, it's you nice. can, yeah, it literally. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's actually like I've never fully regained the muscle of like my left oh, leg. Really? Like, yeah, you can see the difference on my thighs, and yeah, it's it's really something that's that's like that leg has always been
2: weaker now um is that, but yeah is that because you still skip leg day
0: <laughs> yeah probably probably <laughs> <laughs> literally yeah. um but actually i had like one of my best seasons after that injury so yeah and i ended up wearing like a it was like a knee protector like a support and even when the doctor told me that i could take it off i kept it on because for me it was just like i felt more comfortable having it on you know uh like oh, mentally wow. So, uh, so yeah, those are all injuries for you. Which one was the best?
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, mate, I've I've got to go with the knee injury. one
1: was boring, <laughs> boring and frustrating. That's what it was.
2: Yeah, I can imagine <laughs> the
0: groin um, area. That that's painful. Like
1: it's just that it kept happening. Like mm. and I didn't know what it was. It was just like uh,
2: so annoying. What's your injury? Oh, I, do you want the do you want the list? Do you want the go on list it um, off. So my, so I was relatively lucky. Like through my career, um, I had a few surgeries. I think that's for a competitive dude. That's relatively normal. Um, I think I had a sports hernia, so
0: uh, I had surgery oh, on my
2: groin, which oh, is it's like it's basically a low hernia. Yeah. <laughs> um, old man's old man's uh, injury, but I had to have a mesh put in, so it wouldn't. It wasn't something like a physio. So I had a mesh put in to hold my stomach together um I had shoulder surgery i got a uh, yeah it was so it was yeah oh. <laughs> uh like tearing my shoulder so uh slap tear in my shoulder so i had surgery for that um and that was that was a hard one to come back from i think that was like four months five months um but to be fair my my career basically was ended by injury so um Yeah, again, like last couple of weeks before the Commonwealth Games was due to start, I um, had a knee injury um, that pretty much finished me. Like, so I tore my ACL, my LCL, um, and I I chipped like the uh, femur, is that the the bone in the top of your leg a little bit? Um, So I had a a bit of surgery to like do that. But, you know, again, at that stage, I was like 33. Um, I was kind of like a year on the rehab trail and then had half-hearted attempt to come back. Uh, but every time I train, my knee would blow up. Um, so another six months, another year. Like by Rio, I knew it wasn't going to happen. Um, yeah. like, to be fair, like before Rio, I knew it wasn't going to happen. But um, yeah, like... How difficult is that was... injury to come back from?
1: Like. Because I'm, I'm interested, obviously I keep relating this bad to football just because, um, <laughs> but, um, like Van Dyke and like him coming back from his ACL, like, is he going to be the same player? Like how difficult is it to come back from an ACL? Because everyone that seems to sustain it, think, like, seems, it seems to be so detrimental like to their it. career. Yeah.
2: yeah. I think there's a, there's a lot of different ways people kind of treat it now. So I think the traditional ones would like either have a, it's a bit of your patella or a bit of your hamstring grafted yeah. into your knee. Um. I think I was, you know, early on. There's a new thing where they wrap something around it, around the remains of your yeah, uh, ACL, and like attach that, uh, like using some kind of material, so it doesn't impact your hamstring, it doesn't impact your knee at all. Mm. Um, and again, that it was meant to be pretty good repair. Like the thing that kind of stopped me was more the the bone kind of never properly recovered, and my knee swells up constantly. Like if I do any kind of training. Um, I'm, now I'm a bit older I'm all Johnny drama I'm all uh, <laughs> like I can't handle it um but no like again I think a lot has moved on but I do think there's a big thing in like returning to sport returning back to competition and having like confidence in your uh mm. in your, your injured part I guess like might be sprinting or turning or whatever it might be you maybe don't have quite as much faith and it, whether you can get past that little block or not, is like, I guess, um, one of the biggest factors.
1: Is that injury sort of, Is it stopped you from participating in sport at all? Like, do you do anything now? Um, does not have to be judo? Or has it completely stopped like, because of you, you, your knee blowing up, like?
2: Ah, oh, nah, like, so I still, I still have a crack. Like, I still go and do a practice uh, every now and then with some people I'd like. When I can, I try and like, do a national championships in judo. Um, yeah, you know, I, uh, again we've had a lockdown, so I've not done much the last eighteen months, but I run. Um I tend to find is if I go like I go really hard, then my knee, yeah, swells up and I have to take a couple of days off. Like I can't. But again, I don't know how much of that is now because I'm like late thirties, right. 30s, oh boy, just, you know, <laughs> just being like young and my body goes, Yeah, you wake up, oh I'm better, that's fine. Yeah. Um, Finally, you know, it's
1: like good. one of the most painful injuries you can sustain like in the moment how like how did you cope with that
2: like oh ah. Uh, so like we had a uh, when when my acl went it it was like a really audible snap like a really loud snap and there's like 100 people mm. in the room and the way i remember it was the way i remember it, and probably no, everybody else would be like what, what is he talking about What nonsense?" but the way i remember it was like i probably screamed but um the physio off the side of the mat who was said who's like 20 meters away said he heard it he heard it snap, and he went oh i know what that was that's it he's done um, <laughs> positivity i think i lay there <laughs> i think i lay there for uh like 10 minutes just going don't touch me don't touch me don't touch me like and it wasn't the moment it happened it was sore but literally the second after that It wasn't so much sore as just going i know something's bad happened and then um, i slowly and very sadly walked back to the back to the hotel (laughs) Mm -hmm. dragging my leg behind me Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah this uh last 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 session of the camp last practice before you know we go to the commonwealth games village and um I said, yeah, I'll do one more. You know, it's, it's always the way, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Man, ha-
1: how how big of a blow was that to you? Like when it happened, obviously, like going to like you was going to the Commonwealth Games. Like, have you ever worked with a sports psychologist, or did you sort of always try and like cope with it yourself?
2: Um. So I guess at the time, like, didn't have a huge amount of access to a sports psychologist uh i think it's better now Mm. there wasn't what sort of year year was this so this is like 2014 okay um and judo like i was a good level judo player but i wasn't like one of the super elites i was never someone who was going to bring back a medal every single tournament and those guys tend to get you know like eis english institute scottish institute they will get like a a package of support Uh, but being just below that level you maybe don't get that support So um, I think the the coaches around me were really supportive. My family was really supportive. Um, But yeah, like you just kind of struggle through, don't you? I never, I I don't think I ever really addressed it. I was always like, ah, I'll come back. It'll be fine. (laughs) You know, it's, uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. That's a, yeah, no, good insight into like the ACL injury. I don't think we've had a guest
2: on who's had an ACL injury before. Uh, I think I did I did get a bit of sports like support a little bit later on um which I use so just before kind of real I was back at university and they had a sports psych kind of on their books yeah um and it was good just to like chat to someone kind of vent a little bit um
1: do you think if you worked with a sports psychologist it would have helped you return to sport um I don't know because you said it was like a half-hearted effort when when you come back do you think maybe you know
2: nah like so like to to be honest at that stage of my career yeah I was I was old I was like 33 and judo mm. you're done by 30 ish okay. the commonwealth games kept me going so I knew I was going to retire after the commonwealth games anyway and like yeah. the, I had a in my head I didn't want to go out going oh injuries finish me I want to finish on my own terms yeah. um which is why like Rio suddenly became attractive um but again the reality is like commonwealth games is one level the olympic games is another level um yeah and i wasn't i wasn't i I wasn't there i wasn't there anymore so um i don't at that stage i don't think so and like again i would had pretty serious injuries like in the previous couple of years um and i think i was always quite good at like just being in the moment um I wasn't someone who necessarily thought that I had an injury until it was really hurting so like after I came back from shoulder surgery or my uh, kind of groin surgery yeah um I probably did all the classic things of, like coming back a little bit too fast in some respects because I quite often forgot that I just had shoulder surgery or I quite often forgot that I need to be careful doing this yeah uh, and I think yeah in many respects oh that was quite a good thing because I didn't have those kind of like barriers. Yeah, those like mental barriers that kind of do crop up for a lot of people. Um, yeah.
1: Nice no, class. You clearly mentally strong. So, more mentally strong than me. I, I, I'm Maybe. still suffering from my injury. Like, yeah. So, that's no, fair play. So our next question is something I'd like to ask all our guests recently. is um, it's revolved around my project. Um, at UNI. I'm looking for what are the most important psychological attributes or qualities that you need in professional football? But what I'm asking you is what are the most important psychological attributes or qualities you feel make a successful judoka athlete?
2: Oh, have you, have you seen like the research into PCDs? And uh, no, not yeah. So like Dave, Dave Collins, um, and your McNamara's kind of work. So PCDs are psychological characteristics of development excellence.
1: Okay. I'll uh, have to have a read around that. Cause that, a lot of mine's around the five C's, um, sort of Chris Harwood's work. Yeah. Um, so I definitely check I'll make a note of them authors and uh,
2: check it out. Cool. It's again, it's interesting. Um but yeah, like it's all interesting. That's that's around that kind of stuff is why I kind of got into sports psychology because you start to go oh what's my biggest kind of weakness what could I have been better at and I kind of discovered that um I think like uh, at various stages of your career like different skills different attributes are important um I think yeah I mean I don't know and it, it depends on the individual doesn't it uh for me um I think my yeah commitment was important. My ability to go and kind of um, seek support, like and ask for help when I needed help, was was a big thing. Um, I think as well, I, I was quite good at being like self sufficient, as in like I could work out problems on my own. I could respond to problems on my own. Um, yeah, but again. Like that was work for me within my situation, within the, the context I was training and within the support setup that I had. Yeah. Um, and I suspect that from, yeah, yourself from a very different situation, other skills are important, aren't they? other attributes become more important. Um, and again as the situation changes from time to time whether it's coming back from injury whether it's playing in a big game whether it's um dealing with your friends and family on the sidelines whether it's dealing with abuse from the referee or like trying to learn a new skill like in all of these different situations different characteristics become important um yeah no 100 percent. i sorry. completely agree Yeah, so i've bailed on your questions
0: <laughs> that's really interesting actually that you say that because i see that as a kind of uh limitation or criticism of of a model like the five c's you know or like another perspective because it's like context specific it's individualistic whereas the five c's is kind of generic but maybe you need both you know to kind of you know i don't know but it's interesting that you say that i've never i've never thought about like seeing the athlete first and look at what what they need you know to develop and what attributes they require depending on
2: their situation that's really interesting no yeah. so i think i think if you the what's the the classic cognitive behavioral thing is like how you it's not the situation but it's how you perceive a situation that impacts how you like think feel and behave yeah. um definitely just butchered that but you know I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll run with it um <laughs> and how one what one situation is for for oily is going to be different for for you or for me um yeah. And I think therefore it's going to require different skills, but it's also going to require different resources. So, um, one of you might be really good at imagery some people you've always done. One, of you might've been really good at like, uh, goal setting. Like these are skills that you already have in the bag.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, you know, understanding what commitment looks like, understanding like what the behaviors are for, um, like planning and preparation, um, again yeah. like you you have your own skill set and resources that you start with you can build other skills and you can develop other behaviors um but there's no like one solution to a situation like there's there's always going to be different combination for me anyway there's always gonna be a different mm. combination of solutions you know and again that depends on who the individual it depends on how they perceive the situation it depends on the resources they bring into to it yeah. uh,
1: I think it's important for us to sort of um, show younger athletes that developing your psych and your mental attributes and psychological qualities Mm. alongside just developing your technical and physical aspects is super important to be successful. Mm. And that's sort of what I'm trying to do with my project. Um, I'll actually be delving into like different scenarios within professional football. So like you talk about different situations, I'm like posing vignettes Uh, which is basically a scenario. So the game's going against like your team, like what sort of behaviours do you look for in your goalkeeper? Like what sort of, if they've made a mistake, like how do you want them to react and things like that? Um, So yeah, it's definitely, because now whatever I find, the under 23s and the under 18s will be taught how to develop these characteristics that these coaches are looking for, you know? So it's definitely important because I, I find, I had this conversation last night with a friend where, a lot of these lads in these academies, especially from young, are just developing their technical and physical aspects and and not really got the knowledge to um, develop their psych. And you find players like Jordan Henderson was the the player that popped up yesterday when I was talking to him, that he's not the best midfielder in the world. But for me, if he's fit, he starts wrinkling, like just because of his psych, like his his mental attributes. So um, he's definitely an example. Um, If you're not the most technically gifted, you can definitely make
2: up for that in other areas. Oh, definitely. But, like, football's one of those – all sports have so many kind of factors. Like, um, is it the the four corners model that, like, gets kind of taught in football? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that
1: was in my coaching course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, like, each –
2: Yeah. Each technical. The, technical, tactical, mental, and then yeah. – um, is it like physical, something like that? Something Again, like that. Yeah. absolutely butchering <laughs> <laughs> what the model is. Yeah, yeah. But they all they all kind of underpin each other. So like the kind of psycho behavioral, psychosocial kind of is gonna influence like how you develop your technical and your tactical stuff, because it influences how you are around other people, it influences like what your behavior is like. But then similarly, your kind of like technical stuff, if you are technically gifted yeah that's gonna also like influence you how you play tactically it's going to influence um like your physical development it's going to influence your psychology it's going to help you be more confident if you like you're super technical and similarly if you're they they all influence each other like they you, you can't really get away from it but I think you're right in saying that like having those conversations like introducing um like conversations around the psych side, the mental side of a game. Yeah, whether it's sticking to like the five Cs, whether it's sticking to the PCDs or other models, um, or just using the language that the the players might be used to. Like going, ah, oh, looks like you you bottled it a little bit there. Like, well, how how did that feel? What was going on? What was going on when you, you when you took the penalty? All that kind of stuff. Using language that they they use as opposed to rigidly sticking to maybe models is. Um, like a really important thing because i think again for me and there's a lot of people will probably shout me down like if you can start by raising awareness of the psych side the mental side yeah that that is going to lead to a you know a certain amount of players going oh actually yeah yeah yeah, i can see how that affects yeah Yeah? and you you might get a small group of players who then go away and they go right how do i improve this Mm -hmm. and you'll always get a group of players who go that's absolutely shite mate i'm never gonna never gonna not even going to bother with that um and that's fine they can they can come back to it you can keep drip feeding with them um but that kind of middle group as well the ones who go ah yeah maybe i can see how it is but i'm not gonna do anything with with it yet like yeah they they i guess they're your three groups Um, yeah and it's you can influence like yeah i I think it can
1: sort of go the other way like you talked about um like technically gifted players and how they'd be confident and things. I think sometimes it can go the other way, especially working in football clubs. Some of these lads, like the best players in the academy, and they'll think that they can get away with not doing some of the other psychological qualities, like commitment to the coach. Sometimes, like not packing away after training or not having to communicate on the pitch because they're better than everyone else. What, like, give me the ball and I'll do the I'll do the rest, you know. Um, So I think it can go both ways in sort of developing that understanding within them that these coaches are looking for other things than just them being technically gifted and confident is, um, is definitely important because that can stop them from a lot. A lot of these players don't actually even make it through because of their egos, you know?
2: Um, Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, yeah, I was lucky enough to like coach judo to um, Birmingham City under 18s for a little while. um, And I, yeah, again, you definitely see like a, the range of kind of behaviors in terms of engagement. This group of guys, who have absolutely no idea why they're being asked to do judo instead of football, because all they want to do is football. Yeah. And then you get another group of guys who are going, oh, well, I've been asked to do it, so I'll kind of just stick it out and have a go. And then you get the final group who go, right, I'm, I'm all in, I'm committed, I'm going to have a go at this, whatever, you know, because I'm assuming that it's been put on for my kind of my best ability. So I'm going to kind of really engage and really commit to what it looks like. Um, and of, of course you see that, but then there. That's that like the psych sides are differentiating factor, just like mm. the technical sides are differentiating factor, just like the physical sides a differentiating factor.
1: Yeah. Like no, a differentiating factor. Um, you need a bit of everything, really. Yeah, uh, yeah. You
2: know. I've Finding that balance, mm. I think, is super important. And you can't you can't win every battle. Like I think, the the, the biggest thing from my stage two is that you kind of when you start working with people or you've been brought into work with a group is you kind of go i really believe in this right everybody's going to be on board because i'm so passionate and i'm going to get everybody on board because they'll see it and the reality is that that doesn't that doesn't happen like you yeah you you get some easy wins um you get something you have to work a bit harder at but you're always going to get some guys who just go i'm i'm great i don't need this and sometimes they're the ones who don't make it but equally sometimes they're the ones who do make it you know they're the ones who go yeah go through and it's it's different for everyone
1: that's a sort of perfect time to move on to our next section which is like you talked about your stage two so sort of talk about your life outside of of just judo so obviously you're on your stage two you you're becoming a um, sports psychologist like what sort of got you into psychology and, and how come you've decided to pursue that alongside judo
2: Um, so I think in kind of many respects, I think the, the, the psych side was one of the limiting factors of my kind of, uh, yeah, game. Like, I think I was really good at some parts and then there were other things that I was absolutely terrible at. And I think had I had a bit of support along the way or kind of a bit of direction and not, not necessarily like really intense support, but a bit of direction, but this is why we're doing this um i might have had i might have had a better career you know having said that i had a decent career but um mm. the, that's how i got into it because i was like yeah i could see this is a limiting factor for me and i would like to go out and support younger athletes to develop the skills that i wish had been introduced to me I, you know that's why that's why i got into it
0: to um, give back in a sense from your kind of experience also is like kind of a uh... Really?
2: say that again sorry
0: to, to give back to to kind of like give back to others in a sense yeah. and uh yeah from your experience use your experience
2: yeah definitely like so i i've got a role um as a yeah, performance psychologist i work with some uh, athletes across different sports i also work in kind of sports development like with uh school games and with like kids in schools around my area supporting them to have opportunities in sport and i think they kind of stem from the same thing is that I had some incredible opportunities through my sport even if you if you take away the Olympics and you take away all of that like I had some amazing opportunities you know because I pursued judo and I had chances to travel the world and meet people all over and I made some great friends and um, had fortunate enough to have some incredible coaches you know I I didn't talk about my coaches in Scotland and they were amazing they were so supportive um, when we moved up there but I'm like really conscious that I would like to have roles now that um, yeah, kind of helps me maybe support more people on that journey and part of that is giving people the opportunities to play sport, take part in sport and then another part of that is um, going right, I think this is an important part of, you know, performance and I think with my experience and my understanding now uh, I can I can support people with that
0: what kind of psychologist would you say you are are you more of a humanistic or or do you not know yet
2: <laughs> i hate this i hate this uh, the question on your philosophy <laughs> yeah
0: but because we actually did this recently both of us yeah. so and we kind of explored different philosophies and we're trying to figure out well we haven't started yet but we're trying to like figure out who who we are as a yeah. sport psychologist so we're currently curious to know
2: what your approach was <laughs> um brilliant <laughs> so <laughs> i th- i think like i am comfortable as like a uh, cognitive uh, cbt kind of practitioner That's the same as me um, say again same as me i, I saw i've sort of taken that approach i think yeah but having said that i think it comes down it, it depends on the situation it depends on the athlete and sometimes like those are the skills that you're going to go to um sometimes the the role that you've been employed in means you need to be a little take a little bit more of a counseling approach sometimes you need to be a little bit more like just delivering psych skills um yeah you know sometimes it's it's away from that sometimes it's about working with coaches or like a organization to kind of uh, develop like a performance orientation or develop like yeah i don't know whether you call it psychological safety or you know just um a zone of uncomfortable debate um yeah. you know there's i think the bps like you to be able to say this is the kind of psychologist i am and i wish i could say that to you guys but i think like I've, i'm comfortable in the the approach i use mm. um but i do think there is so much that's dependent on the role the situation um yeah. again did you did you do did you do the the kind of pyramid poxfordowski yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pox the recent the
1: most recent assignment that reference was in it so much <laughs> yeah. right? everywhere
2: no. <laughs> yeah. i read no. that all the time and sometimes it makes sense and sometimes you go oh it took me a long while to get my head around it same
1: with John like I remember uh, us talking about that Simon it was um difficult trying to figure out like where you are like but something we really promoted during the podcast where we spoke about our philosophies was having that sort of flexibility and not being just tied down to just that philosophy you know like like yeah. what
2: you've just said it depends on the scenario uh, definitely for sure don't, don't get me wrong I do think it's important to have like um an understanding of how you practice because it helps you approach a situation and go right this is how i'm going to work in this situation ahead of time this is kind of my my kind of go-to um as opposed to just making it up on the spot yeah. mm-hmm. there's an ice cream van outside now i don't know if you can hear that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know, I it's just raining outside my windows so i don't know how there's an ice cream van outside <laughs> yours
2: it's, you know it's uh, birmingham it's uh, always ready for an ice cream i'm oh, in man. leicester so like i'm not far away <laughs> Um, yeah i i what i'd say is probably cut that bit out of the podcast say, what we is did, he talking about
0: um, we did say at the beginning we weren't, we weren't going to put you on the spot with any questions but it sounds like we did just then. Yeah. so when uh, i heard when
2: i heard
1: you ask that question john i was like oh here we go <laughs> how's he <laughs> <you> gonna respond <laughs> nice. um, but yeah that's no, sort of like moving moving back into it like um so you host the uh podcast so the original judo podcast what sort of got you into that what, like, when, when about did you start it seems
2: uh, was because so think- everyone seems to have done that <laughs> <laughs> nah Do I'm, awesome? uh, I'm the i'm the longest running second longest running judo podcast when i started the judo podcast yeah the podcast about judo if uh, you hadn't guessed yeah um there was literally no other podcast so i called it the original judo podcast however by the time i published my first episode um some other idiot he's not he's a nice guy, he's a guy <laughs> over in the states i uh, beat me to it by like a week so you know <laughs> and he's still going so um, there's a there's a handful of others now but um now I started it because uh, I want, I want, I wanted to promote judo. Judo's done so much for me. I wanted to talk about judo. Um, I wanted to. Again, you see other sports. There are a million MMA, boxing, um, BJJ podcasts out there. Football, yeah, every man and his dog's got a football podcast. Um, judo. There was in in the English language there was nothing in in 2017 or 2016, whenever I started. Um, And then me and this other guy started, and then this last year through lockdown, other people have gone, oh, I could do this a lot better than those guys. (laughs) Um, You know, so um, it was also a way for me to kind of keep in touch with like my friends, my peers. Um, I am terrible at keeping in touch with people, you know. um and it's so easy to go a year without speaking to someone who i used to train with every day you know we used to go away you'd spend half the year around the world with them um so it was also a good way for me to go oh yeah yeah come on come on let's go and have a chat and let's put the world to rights a little bit and moan about judo and that kind of stuff so there was that as well um and then the last thing was uh, i it was something that i was uncomfortable with and i wanted to just get better at really i I, yeah public speaking is not something i'm great at um and always try and look for opportunities to take it um Mm. and the podcast is now not absolute shite although people listening to this might be going we're definitely not we're definitely not tuning in for that." (laughs) he just rambles on um but yeah it was an opportunity to like start talking to him embrace something that i was really nervous about and you know it was a good thing so um and there's there's directions i'd like to take it in now you know that do the same thing like so i'd like to talk more more talk more about performance psychology um how it relates to judo i'd like to talk more about well-being how it relates to judo because again putting myself out there committing kind of like you guys are doing with the podcast committing and going right um i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna put myself out there and like Try and demonstrate my knowledge. I'm going to take some risks. Um, that's it's quite scary. So no, it's,
1: it's a huge, huge step to do, it, and that's sort of like was our goal. It wasn't really for the numbers and, and things like that. It's sort of to develop ourselves as, like, if we ever got into like lecturing or um, we're going to have to speak in front of teams and things like that. Like during presentations, like we weren't the best, um, but like this is like it's helping us out loads in terms of speaking yeah. and, and things like that. So there's so many benefits to it and it also helps develop our knowledge like our first eight or so episodes um we did it strictly just we didn't have guests on we just spoke about topics within psychology yeah spoke about it tried to put it in layman's terms for people to go away across all sports even in everyday life to sort of go away and be able to do that topic um and develop help develop our understanding of it as well Um, a, a deeper understanding especially about topics that we found difficult during our studies. I mean, self control—that was probably one of the hardest um, assignments I've ever had to do. And we did a podcast about it. Spoke about it for like fifty minutes.
2: Like I would have never dreamt about that, but yeah. it's so good, so good doing a podcast. Yeah, it's, it's it's such a great way of kind of like reflecting on your knowledge and then again taking that risk when you when you put out your first episode. Like, how did how did that feel? How much editing did you do for your first couple of podcasts? And then. Um,
0: yeah, we didn't really edit that much, but it was the cringiest podcast uh, ever. <laughs> we keep talking about it now, like, we keep relating back, oh, look at us episode one, like, oh. the first, our first sentences, like, it didn't make sense, like, it's just cringy. <laughs> no. need, anyone who's listening, do not go and watch our first three episodes is, at least. Yeah.
1: The thing is, yeah, we see people that like, post their story, are uh, listening to Vastreda Pocket, and they've gone back to one of the first ones, and it's like... Skip the first ten. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: I would. Same, the same. You'd be like, "Oh my days!" It took me at least twenty-five before I was any good, or you know, just not shit. Yeah.
0: (laughs) This was us after, like, after recording. Like, uh, yeah, that was good. (laughs) Like, shit. Nah, yeah. Oh,
2: seriously, you had (laughs) (laughs) brilliant.
0: It was. It was completely new to us. We'd never done this before. Like, we've always wanted to do content, but like speaking for. A good hour like that that's I've never done that before um yeah,
2: yeah yeah so yeah do you um do you track the numbers now or not like you said the numbers aren't important but do you track the numbers now
0: yeah of course we do like mm. it, it would be we do track them but and it, it does it is like rewarding like seeing obviously that the numbers you know that but like already said that's not the main reason we were doing it but it is the sort of way to kind of um solidify you know like kind of yeah justify why we're doing this like sort of like
1: intrinsic motivation
0: yeah (laughs) intrinsic
2: (laughs) motivation i i had to like so yeah uh dip in and out of social media but it's the same with tracking the numbers like every now and then i'll track the numbers and when it's good it's amazing and you're like oh my god this is so great but then if you do like a couple episodes where people just don't download it you're like oh god why am i doing this What what is the point of it so i've stopped i've stopped now uh, i try not to use it and yeah
0: we're in that phase now actually because we started what was it in march or and um obviously it was still kind of lockdown period uh, the weather wasn't good but now we're approaching summer and yeah. we're seeing the numbers decreasing which is not like just normal obviously no one's yeah. wanting to listen to podcasts during summer
2: no one's sat at home going i oh, nothing to do that's what Literally. i mean like because I, I
1: was thinking like during like driving to work and things i was listening to podcasts and now it's summer and the sun's out like, the last thing I'm doing is putting on a podcast. I'm, I'm putting on the music and getting yeah. the
2: vibes going. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've I've resigned myself as well. I'm never going to be Joe Rogan. Like, I'd love 15 million uh, listeners a week. That isn't well, going to happen. You know? Lovely Spotify <laughs> so, deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, i have give up on that as a goal. Uh, so yeah. that's fair enough. But yeah, what do you guys want to do with the podcast? Where do you want to take it?
1: want to keep carrying it on i think um keep getting guests on like like yourself like learning about different different sports and uh, and things like that and sort of like psychological hardships that they may have faced or the psychological qualities that they've got um that's made them successful sort of just
0: yeah yeah it's also a good way to get kind of our name out there you know Mm -hmm. um it's obviously sports psychology is super competitive as you can imagine um and yeah getting in that industry is quite difficult so it's also it would be like not to say that that's one of our goals also you know yeah, just yeah. get ourselves out there you know see yeah, s- show our personality because obviously it's important you know um employers need to see who we are and you know it's, it's an easy way i guess to, to kind of figure out yeah you
1: know?
2: something we know. found
1: with sports psychology podcast was like our initial thing was every single one that i've listened to like seems to be quite boring to listen to just straight up so it's like i don't know we're trying to like maybe be a bit more fun i don't know whether you, you think that but
2: just
1: put our personality out there like we're not just philosophers and like um to the textbook you know like we're just normal people who've studied sports psychology and want to get a career out of it
2: yeah like there's there's some that i like there are some that i like but i uh, i've only listened do... to a couple
1: to be fair like one or two i'm not gonna name them because <laughs> I'm
2: not <on> <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, there's some there's some good ones out there um i think there's also there's some good ones as well like if you want to develop and you go ah, oh, right she's got a different take on this mm. um but that's different from listening to a show because you enjoy it isn't it that's sure uh, you know so they may have different goals to us, so that's yeah. why it yeah. doesn't. You know. A different audience. Yeah, exactly.
1: We want to. Yeah, our main goal is to try and be—I don't know—like approachable for for even clients to come to us and feel like they, they can talk to us um, openly. I, I hope we come across like that. Anyway.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. <'cause> definitely. <laughs>
1: If, it, if we don't, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> no, but um, that's all the questions like we had for you in terms of our questions, but we asked our listeners if they had any questions for you. Um, and we got. Did um, you get
2: like um, rolling hay bales? Nothing.
1: <laughs> no, 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 we did. We, we got um, four or five. So we'll take it in turns asking you them, uh, them questions. Are you so, taking it all? I'll go first. That's good. So the first one is... How do you best prepare for competition? How do you best prepare?
2: Oh, um, me personally. Me personally. Yeah. Right. So this is, this is probably different from what I say to the, the athletes that I work with, um, but the way I prepared was, uh, in, embraced a certain amount <laughs> of preparedness, but also like, as long as my bag was packed, yeah, just Open it, empty it out. As soon as you get to a venue, you know it doesn't matter. A bit of explosion. I liked, I liked a bit of chaos. I, I helped, okay. that helped me. But I also understand that, um, yeah, have, having everything tied down can help a lot. Like with nerves, help you like focus on the right things beforehand. So um, I think when I was competing, I maybe didn't understand that. So I kind of hid behind like creating a bit of chaos. <sighs> Not knowing where my kit bag was, not, oh, no, I forgot my, my water bottle, da, 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 da. Yeah, having all these yeah. other things to focus on as opposed to potentially focusing on the right things. So I think what I did as an athlete and what I'd recommend now, maybe a little bit, a little bit different. Yeah, Maturity. <laughs>
0: okay. Um, so the second question was, what are your hobbies outside of judo?
2: What are my hobbies outside of judo? Um, <laughs> i mean at the minute it's not a huge amount i'm i'm i'll yeah i'm working yeah like 35 hours a week in a, in a in a job then i've got doing my stage two which is you know trying to do another 20 hours a week of that um a coach i've got two little girls you know so probably Angelina Ballerina. I'm an expert on Angelina Ballerina and Peppa Pig at the minute. Oh, nice, Angelina. nice. Yeah, Lego. Putting together Lego and Duplo. That's another. Yeah, oh, my hobbies are their Lego. hobbies. Their hobbies are my hobbies. That's a better way to say. Love it. Yeah, yeah. I try enough. to. Yeah, try to try to push things in that I like doing. Like, yeah, get, get some more Lego. Get some. Get the train track out, but yeah, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't always work. like that. <laughs> <laughs> So sorry again, another really boring answer. <laughs> but,
1: uh, Okay. The next one is: um, What? Who's the hardest opponent you've faced? A couple have been named um, during the podcast, but who would you say was the the hardest
2: opponent? The hardest opponent I faced, ah um, oh, man, like I fought some amazing people, like through the years, a load of world and Olympic medalists. Uh, most of them battered me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, I've I've always really enjoyed fighting uh, like Kapalek, who's a Czech Olympic champion at the minute, Um, you know, he was, yeah, yeah, he's an incredible fighter, Um, I guess on the British scene, uh, Winston Gordon, like who, like the last British man in a, in a Olympic medal fight, Um, love fighting him, you know, he was a great opponent. Uh, great opponent. He, he again. He was someone who always beat me. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna clip yeah. this up in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's. That. I think I think that yeah. Uh, lots of people. Lots of people from my favourite opponents. It's, it's really hard to say, but probably those two stand out. Like I've, again, I fought some amazing people. It's hard to to pick one or two, but I really enjoyed training with them and picking them.
0: Okay. Did you did you any did you fight any um, Belgians?
2: I fought loads of Belgians. Yeah? Um, <laughs> yeah. Are they good? Uh, do you know what? Belgium, yeah, Belgium's yeah? good. And oh. At the minute, there's uh, like a couple of, yeah, a couple of strong, under 100 kilo lads is, is really strong. Um, yeah. Do you know what I didn't like fighting? Yeah. and I suspect a lot of combat sports are the same way. Left-handers. Left-handers can go and burn. For <laughs> Like, there's, if you are left-handed and you fight left-handed, you've got, i guess in many ways a uh, an advantage because you come at, with a completely different stance and you it's the same in boxing like you're so used to right, fighting right-handers and right-handers are so used to fighting right-handers that as is. well because yeah. like the ratio is like what is it 7 to one, ten to 1 something like that so i can tell you who i didn't like fighting um, go ahead those guys
0: yeah hey, oh yeah, yeah, yeah i can imagine us it's horrible um so our last question
2: <laughs> left-handers aren't horrible people who left yeah you know it's just just but yeah yeah
0: I mean. sorry sorry audience sorry everyone who's left-handed that's not why <laughs> that uh, uh, but...
2: that. so.
0: right moving on to our last question so what were you kind of thinking before you stepped on the map when you
2: were competing um so Tried to think where my hands were going to go like um there's that there's that tyson quote isn't there like everyone's got a plan to get punched in the face yeah uh, and that was you in mma <laughs> uh, yeah, <pretty laughs> good. Like, oh, this is great oh no i don't like this at yeah all. <laughs> i think i stick um, to judo <laughs> yeah 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 but um in in judo you've like it's not quite like that severe so you, you once you get your hands on you can control the distance but getting your hands on is the key kind of key point. And if you wait and let the person get the hands on, then they dictate that kind of part of the fight. Um, and you spend your time trying to fight out of that position. So for me, the thing to focus on was where my hands were going and how I was going to get them on. And, and if I managed to focus on that, then that usually led to a good, like a good uh, experience, good performance. And when I got caught up thinking of, about, oh, my opponent does this, what if he does this? Like, if I got lost in that side of things, then that usually led to a bad kind of performance or a bad experience.
1: Mm. That's a good answer. Um, but yeah in terms of like the questions they were all the questions we've had for you uh, from the guests as well so thanks so much for uh coming on and like sharing your time with us i uh, really appreciate it i've actually really enjoyed like learning about judo and stuff because yeah. uh, before my knowledge was very limited so i've definitely learned a lot now
2: um, nah, guys thank you for having me really appreciate it and sorry for a just wittering on and then b kind of leaving twice like, or having <laughs> to move and then just going downstairs yeah you had to no, the right. silence but um, it's all good it's all good
1: that's no, gone um, well I think uh, we normally give um, the guests like uh 30 seconds or so just to shout out anything they've got but um all the links to like your socials and, and your podcast will be in the description below uh, but if there's any projects or, or things you've got going on like feel free to shout it out <laughs>
2: um, not there's not a huge amount like I do try and get on social media sometimes but um yeah either either follow me at james will austin on twitter or uh original judo pod if you're a mad judo fan and you've gone i have not heard enough of his Dorset tones on the original judo podcast i'm going to come and find him over here as well yeah um give it a listen um but yeah get people and get in touch i mean i usually respond within three or four weeks (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's facts guys yeah guys thank you for sticking with me getting yeah. me back on here after i cancelled last week and then i missed the call yesterday i apologize for my terrible ah, behavior we're
0: joking that's completely fine we understand one
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. busy <laughs> times Jesus. um sound all the best oh, yeah.
1: so i'll do the uh i did the outro now so if you could please share this with your friends or someone you'd feel will benefit from it and most importantly like subscribe Comment down below any questions you had um, about James or uh, any guests you want to get us on in the future. Um, Other than that, thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you in the next one.